Hello and welcome to Classic Vinyl Podcast. I'm your host, one of them anyways, Justin, and I've got beside me once again here, Tyler. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty dang good. I'm very excited to be here. I've uh, I've showed up and I am ready to review another album. Well, that's half the battle, right? That's right. That's my whole purpose in life is to get here and talk about albums. We had a listener suggestion a couple of weeks ago to uh, review John Lennon's first solo album, Plastic Ono Band, and I had Paul McCartney's second solo album, Ram, on my list to do, and I thought, what better time to do that? Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty fair. We got to give Paul his his due. That's true, we do. And just to remind everyone, this is the podcast where we sit down and listen to a classic vinyl album, and uh, we rate it based mm-hmm. on yeah, whatever we think at the time, but most of the times... This is Tyler's first time hearing the bulk of the album. Yes, it is. And this is um, never your first time. <laughs> well, so, far, so far, sometimes you've heard, you've heard all of them. Well, Alice Cooper's Love It to Death was kind of a new one for me. Was it? I, I had heard it once or twice before, mm-hmm. but it had been so many years ago, I couldn't remember. Obviously, I knew the popular songs like I'm 18 and yeah. Is It My Body. But other than that, it was a new one for me and very surprising. It It's a lot better than I thought it was, and it's mm-hmm. found its way onto my daily playlist so that'll happen with alice cooper so on this album that we just got done listening to paul mccartney's ram how many songs off this had you heard previously oh let's see i've heard probably three or four of them okay previously that's not bad about a third no that's not bad so let me get into a little bit of history about paul mccartney Uh, not that we really need to he should be fairly well known a man who needs no introduction will now get a introduction introduction yeah So, Paul McCartney, born in Liverpool, England, on June 18th, 1942. By the way... In your opinion. Well, yeah, that is my opinion, and that's according... I think that God sent angels down to deliver him on a silver platter to the world. That could be. Flaming pie. Silver beetle. But maybe you don't know about that. True. So, he actually started as a guitar player for a little band called the Beatles. Anyways, he started as a guitar player. Bass. Short no, he started as a guitar player. Oh, I'm sorry. Shortly after that, he moved up to the bass. He's a completely self-taught musician, and famously, he can't read sheet music, which neither can I. And but he can play it a lot better than I can. You know, I'm really impressed with um, Paul McCartney and his like his ability to check his ego and yet to use that. Like so many people's ego would say. No, I'm going to play lead guitar. Nobody wants to play the bass guitar, right? Except for maybe me. Paul McCartney is like, hey, I just want to have a successful band. I'll play bass if that's what it takes. And then he took that. And I, what I've seen in this album is he took all of the uh, ability to play the different in- instruments that he'd picked up over the years and put it all into one album. It was really awesome to hear him play a lot of the instruments himself. Yeah, he's he's an excellent musician. He's an amazing guitar player. He plays keyboards and piano amazingly. Obviously, his bass playing, as far as I'm concerned, is underrated. If maybe it is, I don't know if yeah. it is. You don't sometimes you don't hear him brought up in the best bass players of all time, but certainly has to be. So Paul McCartney was in the Beatles from 1957 basically to 1970. Little known band. He was in another band from 1970 to 1981 called Wings, and he's pretty much performed solo since then. I mean, he's basically been performing since 1957. So. But but this isn't Wings. That this uh, is Paul McCartney's solo. So is this like an interlude between the Beatles and Wings? Basically, okay. yes. Has his wife in it and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, ah. But he's been touring ever since, so he's been on the road for his whole life. He's sold more than 50 million albums as a solo artist. Solo artist and with Wings. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest, Wings is Paul McCartney. And almost 200 million albums with the Beatles. So mm-hmm. he has a fairly successful career, if you want to call it that. I, he, I would call his career Paul McCartney and Friends. That's probably the best way to put it. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of the Beatles in 1988 and inducted into the Hall of Fame as a solo artist in 1999. Here's where we get into the details. He has written or co-written 32 number one singles in the U.S., 20 of them with the Beatles, and seven solo or with Wings and five others with other artists. In the U.K., he's had 24 number one singles, 17 with the Beatles, and seven solo. And as far as the Beatles are concerned, he probably would have had more number one records if some of his own records weren't holding his other ones out of first place. Oh, that'll happen. Yeah, that'll happen. 
He's had more awards and honors than you can even name Sir mm-hmm. Paul McCartney, correct? Yeah. So he's been knighted. He has. And as far as details on his albums, he's he's released 26 studio albums, only four compilation albums. You know how we always talk about how you know these guys have more compilations than they oh, do yeah. albums. Well, mm-hmm. I think he's stayed busy and so there's no reason to release compilations. He's releasing albums still yeah. to this day. He's got far too much uh, all red. He's got too, far too much upstairs that still needs to come out to bother with, you know, rehashing all the past. I've been to Paul McCartney live twice, and I would like to see him one more time. So I hope he does tour the U.S. one final time. As far as albums are concerned, he has also released nine live albums and 111 singles as a solo artist. So pretty big pretty big numbers there yeah he's got quite the um discography as far as his albums are concerned he's had eight number one albums in the u.s and 27 albums that hit the top 20 in the uk he's also had eight number one albums and 33 albums that have made it to the top 20 you know he's only had 26 studio albums but Mm -hmm. that numbers compiling live albums and compilations as well as far as singles he's had in the u.s nine number one singles in the u.s and 31 of them in the top 20 and in the UK he's had eight number one singles with 44 of them in the top 20. So I would say he's had a pretty decent career. I mean, we could have a hundred part episode series about Paul McCartney. I mean, we can't get too deep in the details, but that's just a basic overview. He's a pretty popular guy. I, I can't imagine that he's got that many ants that are buying his albums. No, it would seem strange. Yeah, it? I think it's other people's ants that are trying to get his albums. As much as I know about Paul and I've researched him and read about him and when I've seen him live, he just seems in a way, I mean, obviously there's got to be some kind of ego there being what he's accomplished and things, but he just seems interested in playing music and making people happy. I don't know. That just seems what it is. I mean, the guy is almost, I mean, just turned 81 years old and hopefully he goes out again. But I mean... Yeah. The last he's, time he's really good at making people happy. He is. So I just hope to get to see him again. So do you want to get to the album? Let's spin it. And now it's time for the album review. Okay. So this is Paul McCartney's second studio album, Ram. Basically his first one, because the first McCartney album, McCartney one was recorded while he was still with the Beatles. And it was kind of a home studio recording and not, I wouldn't say it's a complete studio album. It is. It's a good album and it's looked back at quite fondly, has one of his best songs ever, Maybe I'm Amazed. But this is really kind of his first pure studio album that he released, but it is his personal second solo studio album. It was released on May 17th of 1971 by Apple Records. One kind of funny thing about it is the whole album is credited to Paul and Linda McCartney as the songwriters. I find that funny. Paul McCartney, one of the best songwriters of all time, that he would need Linda to write. But funny enough, he was still under contract to Apple. And half of all the proceeds of the songwriting credits go back to the other Beatles. Oh, for real? So if Linda McCartney's half writer, guess mm-hmm. what? She gets her half, ah. and then Paul splits his half with the Beatles. Oh. So I'm assuming that's probably more what it was about mm-hmm. than anything. Well, he should have credited his kids in there then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the album was recorded primarily in New York and finished up in L.A. It's actually produced by Paul and Linda McCartney. And it's the only album in history credited to a husband and wife duo mm-hmm. funny enough really that i've read about anyways that's weird especially like uh with john and oak and yoko yeah and i guess they didn't i think i'm talking songwriting credits where the whole uh-huh. thing is credited oh, be- to because the, yeah john and, and yoko would like take their own credits and but not the whole album yeah exactly so there are three singles released off the album uncle albert backseat of my car and eat at home it was released during, it was basically released during the ongoing legal troubles that the four Beatles were having, right? Mm-hmm. With yeah. all the things going on. So it was a tumultuous time. And this album, even though it wasn't, you know, originally received well by critics, it's now, you know, considered one of McCartney's best albums and it's highly mm-hmm. regarded by the critics now. And that's mm-hmm. one thing I can say about this album is when I first listened to it and started delving into Paul McCartney's solo stuff, I obviously knew his hits. And I don't know if I really liked this album that much at first. It took some listens for me, <laughs> and now it's one of my very favorite. I love the album. You know, I, I'm kind of uh, sitting on that same line with you. Like, wow. I, you know, after my first listening of this, I'm just like, well, 
you know, not to jump too far ahead, but I'm kind of like, this album's a bit weird. <laughs> but I, I could see like listening to it more and more because uh, one thing that we would come into a little bit later here is there's a lot of metaphor, a lot of symbolism in Paul McCartney's writing. And I, I just didn't get it. Yeah. And that, I mean, I, a lot of that comes with it. But the one thing is you got to realize at the time, I mean, with the Beatles and with this, Paul McCartney was pushing the envelope on music and doing mm -hmm. new things. And if you look into a lot of these songs, with the exception of a few of them, there's some heavy production in them and a lot, there's a lot of things going on in the background on them as far mm -hmm. as noises and sounds and symphony and things like that. And I think it was him trying to push the envelope. And I think that's why in some ways it wasn't regarded as highly at first, but now mm -hmm. it is because if you really sit down and listen to this thing, it is an excellent album. It is. And I got to give a lot of credit to Paul McCartney as an, as a, an artist. How many musicians do you know that are under contract would be willing to honor the contract and like split their profits or royalties with their other band members who took no part whatsoever in a side project with their wife? Well, keep in mind, they had to do the same for him as well. well. So, of course. And I don't did, know if did he, they? yes. And I don't know if he found okay. any happiness in doing so either. So. Yeah, and he might not have. I'm sure, but I'm sure that there's plenty of artists out there right now that they would put that on hold until the contract expired. Well, right? I I believe the way the contract read was the next album, so it wouldn't have mattered if those albums. Oh. I think it was a count a number of albums. Oh, you know what I mean? He, he owed so many albums. To yes, them. exactly. Okay. So for what it's worth, Rolling Stone ranks this 450 on the top 500 of all time. It did have one non-album single. Another mm -hmm. day, which was recorded on these sessions, it was a top five hit in the U.S. Now we mm -hmm. didn't we didn't review that song because no. it's not part of the album, and I guess we could have, but we didn't. Uh, John Lennon, funny enough, with his ego, and I love John Lennon, so don't get mm -hmm. me wrong, but he believed many of these songs were about him. Paul McCartney insists that only one song is about him, but there's did he say which one? The very first one. Oh, too okay. many people. Yeah, and. He's confirmed that was about John Lennon, and then John Lennon also wrote a song in reply to it. But John, being the, you know, having the ego he did at the time, and being the fact that they were having a battle with things going on, mm -hmm. probably found reference to himself in many a song, and, and it could be true. Who knows? So the album reached number one in the UK and number two in the US. So it did pretty well for a former Beatle. It sold over two million copies worldwide. Now, when we get the album cover, it's kind of interesting. On the front of the album, mm -hmm. you've got McCartney, you know, basically holding on to a ram. Head, yeah. You know, and it's that, where you get the ram. Yeah, there's a big old sheep there, Paul mm -hmm. McCartney, and uh, a white V-neck, uh, very plunging neckline on his yes. tight muscle shirt. Paul's on a sheep farm, and um, yeah, the, the coloring on this, it's black and white, the Paul McCartney and the ram. The rest of it's like this orange, and then there's kind it's of almost like, in like a picture frame. Type uh, yeah, of thing. framed in with like this zigzag pattern that's multicolored on that on the sides. It looks like it could be a Peruvian flute band. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And then the back of the cover is really interesting. You've got two beetles fornicating, and beetles in <laughs> B E T L E S. Nice. But a lot of people say, you know, that was basically symbolizing what Paul thought the other Beatles were doing to him through these legal battles. Now, whether mm -hmm. that's true or not, it certainly seems like it could be, but who I, knows, right? I, I caught Paul's um, symbolism there. I can't say I caught much of his symbolism through the rest of the album, but I caught his symbolism and, there. And I catch a lot of it, but I've heard these songs many a time. So do you want to get to the album? Yep, let's do it. Side one. Okay, so side one opens up with too many people. Now, this was the B-side of Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey single. And this was the dig at John Lennon and Yoko Ono for preaching all the practices they were going around doing mm -hmm. at the time. And it was really getting on Paul McCartney's nerves. Like the primal screaming? Basically, yeah. things, <laughs> things like that. I mean, and John Lennon followed up with the song, How Do You Sleep? on uh, his Imagine album, and that's an interesting song. I really enjoy that song, but it's mm -hmm. a straight dig at Paul as well. <laughs> to which Paul replied, with my eyes closed. Yeah, basically. <laughs> you know, both of them are good songs. I really, this is a good song. It's got some good guitar in it, things. What are your thoughts on this song? You know, this was a pretty decent song. Um, I like the guitar intro. And then there's a lot of uh, what I would call a Paul McCartney sound. He's got a very distinct sound. that it sound. This uh, song sounds like the Beatles. And that's because, you know, Paul 
had a heavy influence on the way the Beatles sounded. I, I really like this song. It uh, a good thing, you know, good message that everyone wants success, but it's kind of like taking advice on how to get rich quick from someone who won the lottery. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not you get your lucky break, and then all of a sudden you think everybody should listen to you. Mm, a little arrogant. I, I like the message. Yeah, I do too. But at the same time, I mean, that's the only people that people listen to is the people that got the lucky breaks, right? And exactly. Popular. <laughs> I I like the acoustic intro on this. It's got a lot of echo at the beginning, which mm-hmm. I really like. I think this song has more and better guitar in it than most of the songs on the mm-hmm. album. I really enjoy it. It's a good. It's got a couple good guitar solos on it from some heavy fuzzy guitar. It's got solid drumming in it. Linda does the backing vocals on it. And I Mm -hmm. didn't used to like Linda in these. That was one of the things I had the hardest time with, but I actually really enjoy it. I think Mm -hmm. she has some decent harmonies. It's just a different sound, you know? Yeah. It's got good bass, but you can't expect anything less from Paul McCartney. It's got good heavy acoustic strumming Mm -hmm. throughout, which I really like. And you hit it on the head, the imagery Mm -hmm. of the lyrics, you know, too many hungry people losing weight. I mean, a straight dig at John Lennon and Yoko Mm -hmm. Ono, you know, going through their heroin time and all that kind of stuff where he was thin as a rail. And this song's just a good rocker. I really like it. And I really like the guitar solos Mm -hmm. on it. I just really like the tone of the guitar and the fuzz on the guitar. Sounds really good. It's a good way to open the album. It is. And I'd I'd like to hear more of that sound going throughout the album, but Paul McCartney's just, uh, he's ready to throw a huge, um, or, you know, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band style at us where it's just, it's from everywhere. Well, you got to realize too, coming out of the Beatles, I mean, mm-hmm. especially towards the end of the Beatles and in the Let It Be sessions and even the Abbey Road sessions, Paul McCartney was the driving force behind everything at that point in time. Yeah. And I mean, you look at Let It Be, where he had, you mm-hmm. know, written Let It Be, The Long and Winding Road, Get Back. He was in an mm-hmm. artistic boom, right? Yeah. And this this is really coming off of that. Mm-hmm. It's coming off of that that stuff that, you know, I mean, he was right in his wheelhouse with yeah. this stuff, but it's also him trying to push the boundaries of being different and sounding different and doing different production things. And mm-hmm. that's that's one thing I really like about this album is the production. And this is a good one, especially to listen to on headphones, because there's a lot of little ditties in some of these songs going on in the background mm-hmm. that are kind of interesting. You know, a lot of yeah, there's a lot, a lot going on. Yeah. A lot going on in the background. A lot of really cool instruments that he brings in. He brings horns and uh, different string instruments throughout the album. So, yeah, this one's worth listening to on uh, on headphones. So, throughout this album, obviously, you've got Paul McCartney on bass, vocals. He plays some piano and some keyboards. You've got Dennis Sewell on drums. You've got all the songwriting credits to Linda and Paul McCartney. So it's it's really interesting. There are some other musicians, and we'll refer to them as we get to those songs. But mm-hmm. that's too many people. So we move on to the second song, Three Legs. Now, this is also said to be written about Paul's feelings towards the other Beatles and his newfound freedom. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, John Lennon and George Harrison, they were always straightforward with their lyrics. They were mm-hmm. pretty, like, even when John Lennon, when he wrote How Do You Sleep, I mean, it was straightforward in the jabbing of Paul, oh, yeah. right? Where too many people was a little more symbolic. Paul using all his metaphors and things like that. So it's kind of interesting, but Paul insists this isn't about the Beatles. I think that's the pit you fall into at this time, is he can write a song about anything and you can probably look into it, you know, look at John Lennon or George Harrison mm-hmm. reading into it. Well, God, that's about me because we're going through all this mm-hmm. stuff. I think people got to realize there were other things going on in his life as well, you know? Well, he, he he's not writing it about me, I you know, when it comes to three legs. No, and and Lennon thought this was one of the better songs on the album. Lennon liked a couple songs on this album, you mm-hmm. know. Because he was a little weird at that time. Yeah, exactly. So what were your thoughts on this song? I like this song. It's got a very heavy blues uh, influence, but I got lost in the symbolism and the metaphors. Things like, you know, a dog is here, a dog is there, my dog has three legs, a fly flies in, a fly flies out. Most flies have three legs, mine has one. I'm still trying to decipher all this, but I can I can totally see why people are saying, yeah, he's talking about the Beatles, the other three Beatles, and then there's him. He's the one fly with one leg and still yeah, flying. The only thing that's kind of for me is, you know, when Paul 
straight out admits that one song is about John Lennon and says these others aren't. Yeah. It makes me wonder, is that in retrospect? Are they asking him 20, 30 years on and he's just kind of forgotten what it's about? Especially when you're writing in metaphors, right? Oh, for sure. This song is kind of interesting because you got David Spinoza on guitar, which he does a really good job on it. This is one that I wrote Linda's vocals really grew on me because at, at first they were kind of like, I'm going to be honest, kind of like nails on a chalkboard for me. Mm-hmm. But I really have started enjoying them. I really like the way they harmonize. Yeah, she's not... Um... Yoko Ono's Primal Screaming. No. No. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> and this song's got good little acoustic riffs in it. The little electric guitar riffs in this are good. So yeah. David Spinoza does an excellent job on guitar in this one. Yeah, I, I love the music in this. The lyrics, I'm lost. Well, and that's your problem, always looking at lyrics. Right? Oh, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm just, uh, I don't know what he's trying to say. <laughs> well, if you can't figure out what they're trying to say, take mm-hmm. it back to the first of the song and then just listen to the music. That's what you should do. Yeah, that's what you should do. So that brings us on to song number three, Ram On. Uh Uh-huh. The title of the album. Sort of. Oh, ish. Yeah. Yeah, ish. So this is first of two songs on this album that are kind of the same name. You've got the Ram On reprise later. Yeah, which is much shorter. This one's the longer of the two, surprisingly. Yeah, and what's kind of interesting is they figure Ram On actually meant Ramon, Ramon, because Paul, during their tour of Scotland, they used pseudonyms as mm-hmm. their names. And Paul was Paul Ramon, R-A-M-O-N. You know, and John was Long John. George Harrison was Carl Harrison. And Stuart Sutcliffe, who was in the band at that time, was Stuart de Stal, I guess, uh-huh. to sound French and you know, sophisticated. Uh-huh. And this is another song that Lennon expressed a liking for on this album, which was and I don't know when he said that, if it was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in retrospect. or When he was time. high. That was probably it. Yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this song? Ukulele. Yeah. This is... Uh, very heavily. Yeah. Like, this is a very simple sounding song. Um, simple instruments like the ukulele. There's percussion in there, uh, claps, some whistling. But really, for as simple as this song is, it's more complex than you realize upon the uh, upon the service, you know? there's a lot going on in this song and something that I appreciate about McCartney is uh, the lyrics in this. Um, They're very repetitive, but they're also very symbolic. And that's something that I enjoyed this song that it, um, this is like looking at a piece of art that needs to be appreciated more than once. So I'm going to have to listen to this one again. Yeah, this is a good song. It's mm-hmm. kind of funny what you said, because to me, you know, I like the ukulele in this. It's a very raw sounding recording, yeah. unlike a lot of the others on the album that mm-hmm. are heavily produced. Yeah, it sounds like he's just in the uh, studio dinking around with the ukulele. Yeah, but it's got good vocals in it. And there still is some stuff going on in the background with keyboards and organs. There's yeah. just a lot of harmonies going on in the background. I had written that same thing. It's the same verse over and over. Ram on. Give your heart to somebody right soon, away. right away. The funny thing about that is it's the same over and over. And generally, if that was in a song for me, I'd hate it. But it's good in this. It's it's just yeah. simple. It's good. It, it just, I don't know. I've always enjoyed this and I shouldn't. It, it's a short little ditty. It doesn't have much, doesn't have many instruments used in it. Yeah. All singing's good. Mm-hmm. It's a good sounding vocal, but it's. It, it sounds so simple. And yeah. 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 He. This is a, this is a great example of using the music to tell the story and not just the lyrics. Yeah, I, I really I like that about this song. Yeah, this this is a good song. So that moves us to "Dear Boy." Now this this was another song that John Lennon apparently thought was about him because "Dear Boy." I mean, obviously he's going to, but and I I think he wrote this for me, but well, he, I, I'm very egotistical. He could have, and yeah. yes, you are. But this was actually written about Linda McCartney's relationship with her ex-husband. This is a pretty decent song. What are your thoughts on this one? This is, uh, there's some good piano in this. Uh, mm-hmm. This is this uh, song shows a lot of variety because it doesn't sound like any of the other songs on the album thus far. And so we get a, a broad scope of, of McCartney's musical talents. And you, that's something that you'll notice very strongly on this album is that Paul McCartney doesn't sound the same in any two songs. So it's really funny you said that because that was the first note I made on this was (laughs) I love the effects on the vocals, but that's something with Paul McCartney through the Beatles, through his solo Mm -hmm. career. You can have 
10 songs in a row and his vocal sounds different on every single one of them. He has this yeah. way to sing differently all the time. You know, some, some vocalists have one way of singing and that's it, but he, he can change his voice. You, if you didn't know, you could think there was four or five lead singers on this album. Yeah. He has an amazing way of doing that. And Very true. And, you know, he, it's such a strain on his voice and the extremes that he goes to. Like you said, the piano intro on this is good. Mm-hmm. I think this song has excellent background harmonies. It's got kind of some strange, cool effects on the guitar, I believe is what they are. Yeah. They sound really weird, but they're kind of cool. And the one thing I put with exclamation marks on this is the vocal makes this song. To me, the vocal is the strong thing on this song kind of strange if this truly is indeed about Linda McCartney's ex-husband it's kind of strange hearing Paul sing it yeah it is what it is you know so decent song yeah and yet there's something I'm noticing here is there's so much of talking about other people in this album every song is about somebody else don't you think that's how most songs are probably there you go reading way 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 too too much much into it Uh, that's just i'm trying to read so much into it because i'm trying to play catch up i'm you know trying to catch the symbolism i'm not able to get it you know what i think is funny about these songs is they'll ask these artists especially artists like Mm -hmm. paul mccartney they've been around so long and they'll talk to them maybe when it was written and they'll say it's about one thing and 10 years later it's about something else and then Time goes by. Do you remember? We're talking 50 plus years ago on this. Do you remember what you did 10 years ago when you wrote something? Oh, it'd be a letter or what you were feeling and what the ambition and what the drive was towards it. It was definitely uh, hormones. Well, it's always hormones. Everything here is hormone driven. Okay, that's fair. Okay, so that moves us to the next song. Uncle Albert. Admiral Halsey, and I'm sure this is one you had been very familiar with because yep. I think on this album, this one probably, get, not probably, this one gets the most radio play. Oh, for sure. Now, this was Paul's first number one hit since leaving the Beatles. This reached number one on August 2nd of 1971. This was also the first gold record that Paul McCartney had had since the Beatles' breakup. This is basically composed of several unfinished songs that he stitched together. Yeah, that that makes sense. This sounds, this sounds like there's three parts to the song. Yeah, I mean, there's definitively yeah. two parts. In fact, there's other For songs sure. on this album that, that are mm-hmm. similar to this. You know, Paul yeah. says this is mainly based on his uncle, at least the... You know, first part of it. Now, mm-hmm. this did win a Grammy for the best arrangement accompanying vocals in 1971. What are your thoughts on this song? It's a catchy song. I mean, it's, it's got a lot of... Uh, Paul McCartney really knows what we want to hear. He knows his audience. And so he's got that beat that keeps us coming. It, it's very enjoyable. I'll tell you one thing. I don't at all get any of the symbolism or metaphors of this song. I've heard this song more than any other one on the album. So I have no idea what it means. But, Which is a perfect example yeah. of you don't need to know what it yeah. means. I mean, music's about how it makes you feel. Exactly. We're so sorry, Uncle Albert, but we haven't done a bloody thing all day. And then Admiral Halsey needs a berth and hands across the water and hands across the sky. I'm lost. So this song for me was not really a favorite of mine, you mm-hmm. know, years ago when I was younger, but I've really started to like this song and enjoy it more for the sounds of it and mm-hmm. the production of it. It's got some interesting storm effects that I think it, the song probably could have done without, but I mean, saying now, what's it matter, right? This yeah. one's got Marvin Stamm on the flugelhorn and it's got the New York Philharmonic arranged by George Martin. You've got Hugh McCracken on guitars and Paul Beaver on the synthesizer. So this has got quite a few artists playing on it. Like I said, this is the most recognizable song on here, hit number one. Mm -hmm. It's a good song, but I actually, as far as this album's concerned, and maybe this is just because I've heard it so many times, I don't put this in the top half of the album for myself. No, I'd have to agree. Um, this is a song that, as much as I'm familiar with it, not my favorite. But I, I do like the song. I do mm-hmm. enjoy the song. The, the thing is, is when you said Paul gets us with those hooks and things, he does a lot of little things with his mm-hmm. vocals, that little sounds, you know, and things mm-hmm. that he does and that really give you that hook and yeah. make a good single. Th- this song really, I think, belongs on Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Go Band. It, it fits more in there than I feel like it feels fits with this album. Well, it's funny because it seems like they're years apart, but they're really only four years apart. The music world had changed quite a bit by then. I don't yeah. know if it's quite psychedelic enough for that. So that brings us to the last song on side one, mm-hmm. Smile Away. Here's another song that a lot of people believe that 
this is Paul writing about the Beatles breakup and the mm-hmm. Alan Klein situation that was going on with the management of the group and things like that. He says it isn't, but you know, you can look at it. A lot of people say it's over his depression of the Beatles breakup and helped him find solace in music, in, you know, writing songs like this. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the B side to the single Eat at Home. What are your thoughts on this one? This is a very much a rock and roll song. This is a, a classic 50s rock and roll feel. You know, this is a sock hop. That's really funny that you wrote 50s. Look at my note right here in parentheses, 50s. (laughs) Yep, 50s. (laughs) Yeah. But he says, let's see, things like uh, smell you a mile away, smile smile away, smile away, smile away. Bro, I can smell your teeth a mile away. Yeah, exactly. He's, uh, yeah, he's telling you, hey, don't let the bastards grind you down. Maybe Alan Klein had real shitty teeth. Probably. Uh, But it just seems like when... People are giving you crap. Just, you know, smile away. That's a good point. And, and that's funny because the first thing I wrote is this a good little rock and jam 50s mm-hmm. on yep. here. That's what I wrote is the 50s. I, I really <laughs> like the guitar intro on it. It's a really good raw intro. Once again, mm-hmm. it's got a damn good bass line on it, and I don't yeah. expect anything less. And once again, Paul McCartney's showing that he's got that versatile voice with a very broad range. Well, this is about his fifth different vocal on the album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by different, I mean different sounding vocal. And it's the sixth song. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It, it's got good guitar licks in it. This yeah. is more of live sounding to me, not as intricate mm-hmm. as the rest of the album. It doesn't seem as produced as heavy with as many background things going on. It just has some good harmonies. But to me, it just sounds like a good little rocker that was more recorded live. So that closes out side one. Do you want to get to side two? Yep, flip the record. Side two. Okay, so side two opens up with Heart of the Country. Now, this is obviously another song written by Paul and Linda McCartney, basically about a man searching for a farm in the middle of nowhere. So I don't know if Paul got lost trying to find his farm when he was high or something. I I don't know. He wanted to live in the country, man, with a horse and a sheep. It could be. Now, this song was not well-received initially at all, but people look back on it fondly now, and the critics even pan it as a really, really great song. What were your thoughts on this one? I think that sums up this whole album, is that people didn't receive it well at first, and then it got a following, and it grew very strong in people's hearts. Well, when we say people didn't receive it well at first, somebody must have received it well. It hit number one and number Mm -hmm. two, so, I mean, it was received well. Yeah, this is a very simple sounding song, very repetitive, but it's actually got a lot more instruments going on than you first realize. There's a, a lot going on in this song, but then again, it's it, the fact that it seems so simple and seems so repetitive. Well, that's what simple country life is. I mean, from somebody who lives, you know, a simple country life on a farm, I don't have sheep. I've got chickens and rabbit, goose. It's very repetitive. You know, it's very, you know, same, same old, same old every day. You feed the animals, same animals, you you know, fill the same water buckets with the same water. It's, uh, it's very repetitive, but, um, there's a simple beauty to it that those who enjoy it would never change it for anything. Yeah. It's, it's not a bad song. I think it's got a good acoustic work in it. It does have a lot of those little non, I shouldn't say nonsense lyrics, but it's a little bop a doop da Oh yeah, you know, a lot whoa, of the whoa, noise. Whoa. Yeah, a lot of using the voice. As yeah, an instrument. And he yeah. he does that a lot mm-hmm. in a lot of songs to give those little hooks, which I think yeah. make it. But this song doesn't stand out to me too much, other than that. So that moves us on to Monkberry Moon Delight, which is probably the most interesting song title. On yes, the album. It, probably the most interesting song on the album. Very hard vocals on it. Very yeah. heavy rock. So vocals. Paul's kids used to call him Monk, which Fair. which yeah. is. I guess where he got the name from, whether it has anything to do with anything, I don't know. I, I figure that's the mark of a good dad is that if your kids have a special nickname that they call you, then it means that they like you and that you're doing all right in their eyes. Make it into a song. Exactly. So um, the fact that he's singing this kind of sounds like it's the McCartney family anthem that they rock out to when they're on vacation. Paul's daughter, Heather, actually contributes back backing vocals to this song. What were uh, your thoughts on the song as a whole? She does a good job. Uh, on the whole, you know, this song, it's a cheese grater to my ears. 
<laughs> really? It is. Like, you know, but the thing that I like about it is that it does sound like, I mean, I, I myself have been that way on a family vacation, just totally jamming out and singing along with the radio or whatever. And, you know, my wife sit there laughing at me because I'm just so into the song and just tearing my voice apart. And it sounds like Paul McCartney is just shredding his vocal cords with uh, as hard as he's singing this. That imagery <laughs> and endears the song to me, even though it, it just a, it's a bunch of nonsense, it sounds like. This Monkberry Moon Delight is, I don't, I don't know what he's singing about at all in this song. So this is a song that has become one of my favorites for some reason, and I, I, uh-huh. I didn't pull to it right at first. You know, this is the eighth song on the album, and we've mm-hmm. got Paul's sixth or seventh different style vocal now the the lyric this, this one says most out there vocals yeah so far yeah. it is you know and, and and you're talking vocal sound but i mean even mm-hmm. the lyrics you know sat yeah. in the attic with a piano up my nose and he's screaming that so i didn't even hear him singing that <laughs> yeah and this song has got an amazing bass line in it the piano is good that Paul's strained vocal in this, especially towards the end, I really like. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think one of the things that stands out in this song, too, is Linda's harmonies and vocals mm-hmm. in this, the backing vocals. Especially if you sit down and listen to this on headphones, it's got a lot of little background sounds going on and different things that, that actually make you quite, I think the production of it's quite impressive, especially when you listen to it on headphones. I, I yeah. actually enjoy this song quite a bit, but like, unlike mm-hmm. you, I don't look into the lyrics because I see most lyrics as unsensible anyways. I, I'll tell you one thing. He sounds like he's just having a lot of fun singing the song. It seems kind of like the whole album as a whole, you know? (laughs) So that brings us to Eat at Home. Now, this is basically a plea from Paul to have home cooking, right? And this is another song John Lennon admitted to liking. Now, they did release this as a single in many countries, but not in the UK or US for some reason, but it Hmm. did receive much radio play here in the US. It did hit number seven in the Netherlands and number six in Norway for that information. What are your thoughts on this one? Okay, here's something that I first noticed about this song. You and I were both tapping along with the beat. This song, he really knows that rhythm that you want to hear. And this has inspired me. I'm I'm going to cook spaghetti tomorrow night. I'm, I'm going to eat at home. Well, you probably were going to anyways, right? I, I was going to, but now I have to because of Paul McCartney. So this one's got David Spinoza on guitar, and there's a decent little guitar mm-hmm. solo on this. And like you said, this is just a good rocking song. Oh, yeah. It's got an excellent bass line Mm -hmm. to it. And Paul's, this is kind of Paul's another vocal we're seeing from him. This Mm -hmm. is his rocking vocal. He's seen in some of the rockers with the Beatles and things. And Mm -hmm. it's just pretty much a good little rock song. But it's got good production on it. It's got good guitar. And kind of surprising they didn't release it as a single in the U.S. and U.K. It is surprising because it really is a good little rocker. Yeah, it, it's yeah. just pretty straightforward, really. And there's no there's no real, you know, there's no imagery in the lyrics on this. There's no... Not a lot of symbolism. It seems to like it, he's very literal about eat at home. Okay. There's no metaphors in this song. It's just pretty straightforward, really. Kind of the first one on the album like that that isn't yeah, really. kind of nonsense type of lyric. So that moves us to the longest song on the album. It's about six minutes long. That's Long Haired Lady. Now, this is love songs that Paul and Linda have pieced together from a couple different songs, just fragments of songs. It has an ending which people have really pointed at as being reminiscent of Hey Jude. You know, it says love is long. Mm-hmm. It goes yeah. over and over and over and fades out, just kind of like Hey Jude does. Yeah, nah, 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 yeah hey in a similar way. Yeah. But, you know, mm-hmm. if somebody's going to copy it, let him be the one to copy it because guess what? He wrote that song. Yeah, he has the right to do that. So yes. get off it. What are your thoughts on this one? This is a good uh, love song. It's <laughs> It's got um some humor to it where he's got, he's singing about, well, do you really love me or are you just looking for one thing? He says, no. Love is loves being in it for the long haul, but uh, he's really got it uh, for people with long hair. He likes a long-haired girl. Yeah, and he was in it for the long haul with Linda until she passed away mm-hmm. from cancer. Yeah. It was his love of his life. One thing I did notice is that we have heard this beat from Paul in other songs. Hey Jude, maybe, but it's it's familiar. Like, he keeps that rhythm, that peppy rib, rhythm going, and it, it sounds... Uh, 
it echoes in your ears. You sound, you know that you've heard this uh, rhythm before, but something that I thought was really interesting was the horns that he brings in towards the end. I'm not sure if it was a trumpet or a trombone. I, at first it sounded like a trumpet, but then I realized, no, this is sounding kind of like a trombone that it, you know, with a little bit more of a rounded sound and less of a piercing sound. Yeah. And I'm not sure on that. Uh, this is the one song that Linda McCartney has mm-hmm. co-lead vocal on and it's got decent acoustic guitar in it it's got another mm-hmm. good bass line in it this is kind of the tale of three songs to me though there's three pieces of this song the speed and tempo change in each one of them almost like it's three different songs you know i know it's yeah. from two song fragments but it, to me it's like three separate songs you know the love is long part mm-hmm. where he keeps going over and over and over that's when those horns come in like you're saying and yeah. i do like that part and i think it's a good it is a good love song. I don't like the Hey Jude, you know, ending and la, 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 la. I like this uh, Love is Long. I do. I actually do like the Hey Jude ending. I just, to me, I suffer from a little bit of overplay on it, but I enjoy it every yeah. once in a while. You know, it's, I mean, that song to me is amazing. It's just that. I like it better with this song. Well, fair enough. You That's have your choice. I'm yeah. So that moves us on to Ram On Reprise. It's basically like Ram On before. It's the second second version. Only on, played backwards. Just kind of played weird, you know, but you get you get this is the shortest song on oh, the yeah, album. It was short. <laughs> yeah. And you get the ukulele again. It's basically the same as we had before. Yeah, but like I said, it sounds like when it when it opens up, it sounds like it's being played backwards. Yeah, it's a little yeah. different, but it's basic. You get it, the it basic. It bends weird, yeah. But there's really not much to say mm-hmm. about this other than it's real similar to the other Ramon. Yeah, but I don't see why they put it on the album. This might be better tagged on to the end of a song. Sure. Is the ending to a song or something. Yeah, for them to do a reprise that's so short right at, right before the end of the album, it was weird. So that brings us to the last song on the album, The Back Seat of My Car. Now, this was released as a single in the UK only, and it peaked at number 39. It's basically an unfinished concept song Paul had from mm-hmm. the summer of 1968. You know, he did present it to the other Beatles during 1969, during the Get Back sessions, which became the Let It Be album. They, for some reason, chose not to go forward with it. Paul, you know, he claims it's a teenage song with a stereotypical parent who doesn't agree with the kid. Once again, the ego of John Lennon made him feel like this song was about him, but Paul McCartney insists it's not. I wonder what John Lennon thought Paul McCartney was intending to say about him with this song. Because this song... When you talk about being a concept for the from the summer of '68, uh, that makes sense because this doesn't seem like it's it, it, it's a little weird. You know, he talks about Mexico City and stuff, so I'm sure that there's some sort of symbolism there. Not sure what what the symbolism is, but this seems really straightforward to me. Well, and you know, a lot of these artists, like these these great songwriters, like McCartney and Lennon, they've had some of these songs or forms of these songs kicking around in their songbook for years and years. Yeah. Sometimes they symbolize things. Sometimes they're just a bunch of nonsense words. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a mix of both. Sometimes they're actually meaning something towards somebody. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that Lennon really thought, because of the troubles they were going through, that basically every song was a dig at him. And I, I just don't see that. Poss- mm-hmm. I, I can see maybe why he thought all, that. Yeah, but you, your life is all about me. Yeah. <laughs> so what were your thoughts on the song? You know, I really enjoyed this song. I thought it was a good song. A good McCartney. It sounds like McCartney. Uh, the whole, you know, classic, stereotypical love song. Um, but maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit edgy. Because, you know, you, it's pretty direct that, you know, the parent is saying making love is wrong. And, yeah, and Paul goes over, oh, we yeah. believe that we can't be wrong. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, it's that fight between the square old man versus the hip young uh, lovers that they're just, you know, enjoying being young and in love. And they're going to Mexico City. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, it's hard to say, but here you go yeah. reading into the lyrics. That being said, this is a very strong song to finish the album with. And yet, this I, the, now that I say that and look at this, look back at the album, I feel like the album's going backwards. Like this should have been the opening song and he should have ended it with, end it with too many people makes a lot of sense that's how you get too many people from being in the backseat of the car too much (laughs) well i kind of disagree with you on that but i Mm -hmm. i think too many people's an excellent opening i think this song though would have been an opening 
for side two. You know, on this song, you've got the New York Philharmonic on it again. You've got David Spinoza on guitar. This song was actually the B-side of the Heart of the Country single. You know, and this could have been on Let It Be. You know, this was written during the time Paul wrote Let It Be, The Long and Winding Road, Get Back. You know, it was right in that time frame. I think it would have fit. Yeah, I mean, he was in a songwriting boom at that time. I mean, he was in the groove, you know. I think one thing that stands out on this song is the harmonies. They're really good. And this is just a really good song all the way around. I I like this. It's a good song. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's funny that we talk about what song should open and should close. Most people Mm -hmm. don't think that way anymore because they're listening to singles on Spotify or Apple or wherever they're listening to them. And I think that's one thing that gets lost is... I love listening to an album and thinking maybe these should be arranged differently, you know, but I mean, when it comes down to it, they are what they are and that's what it makes True. the albums. Right. Yeah. I guess this album uh, feels like instead of a tapestry, it feels more like a patchwork quilt. Really? Yeah. And, and just see, because it's, it, it's cobbled together from so many different pieces. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it beautiful in my opinion, mm-hmm. but I've listened to it for so many years yeah. that that's the way I look at it. I do. I, I do need. I, I do acknowledge that I need to listen to this more than once. Do you want to get winners and losers? Let's do it. Winners and losers. Okay, Ty. Like always, I'm going to ask you to go first. Why don't you give me your least favorite two or three songs? Yeah, out of twelve, I'm going to go with Ram on the reprise. I didn't think that it was necessary to Easy bring that way reprise. Out. I know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm taking the low hanging fruit. Also, three legs, the second song on the album. That one I did not get at all. And also number five, Uncle Albert or Admiral Halsey. That's one of my least favorite songs. I I don't understand. Now I'm gonna flip it over to you, Justin. What are your least favorites? Since I just got done saying that was the easy way out for Ramon Reprise, that's one of my least favorites, because guess what? That's the easy way out. Yeah, it's just too dang short. And then my second least favorite would be uh, the opening song on side two, Heart of the Country. And those are the only two songs I really don't enjoy on this album. So why don't you tell me what your favorites are? One of my favorites is Eat at Home. I really enjoyed that song. It was uh, straightforward and, like I said, inspired me. I'm going to eat at home tomorrow. Um, also, one of my favorites is number six, Smile Away. I really like the message of that song, and I thought it was a fun song to listen to. Good old classic rock and roll. Uh, if I'm going to go for a third favorite, it's a tie for me for third favorite between the backseat of my car and too many people. I like both of those songs equally, but they're not my top favorites on the album. If that makes sense. They're both a tie for number three. That makes sense. Okay. Where are your favorites? Since it's our show, I'm going to cheat a little bit. My favorite on the whole album, without a doubt, is Too Many People. I I think because of the music in it, I really enjoy the guitars in that song. I really enjoy the dig at John Lennon. And Mm -hmm. keep in mind, I love John Lennon just like I love Paul McCartney. I'm not one of those guys that Paul's my favorite Beatle or John's my favorite Mm -hmm. Beatle. The Beatles were my favorite. Yeah, George Harrison was my favorite. Yeah, and I don't like George. You, know? you never hear anybody say no, I don't George, like George Harrison was a favorite. And keep in mind, <laughs> I like Ringo, too. I just went mm-hmm. to a Ringo concert last week. I think Ringo's the one Beatle that I relate to the most. Just well, ha- you know, having seen a couple of the Beatles movies. Yeah, Ringo's, he, he's the guy I'd want to hang out with. So Too Many People by far is my favorite as far as the song. Mm-hmm. And then I have a three-way tie for number two. Mm-hmm. It would be Three Legs, which is a little bit different than you. I really enjoy yeah. that song. Uh, Smile Away and The Backseat of My Car. All, right. I, I would, all three of those are number two. I, this album's, <laughs> I enjoy this album. I always have. Yeah. I, I like every piece of it. Do you want to get to the album rating? Let's rate it. Album rating. Okay, so if this is your first time listening, our rating scale goes from 0 to 10, 10 being the best. And if it's a 10, that means I have to buy the album myself. Um, if I rate it a 0, it means that we break the album and never listen to it again. Well, what if you rate it a 0, but I rate it a 10? Then then well, we fight? Yeah, we fight to the death. That's that's very interesting. Has so, it happened yet? <laughs> no, but let me ask you this. Does the fact that you have to buy it when it becomes a 10 influence your rating to 10? I mean, is that going to push you to a 9.5 just to save yourself some money? No. Okay. <laughs> as long as you're honest. Um, this is going to be the f- a first for me on this podcast. I'm putting it smack dab in the middle at a five. That being said, 
what I I think we've you know hit this key a few times in this podcast is I need to listen to this more than once. If, if I give it more and more ear time and more and more consideration, read through the lyrics and you know listen to it, uh, I think I could very easily learn to like this album more than I do. But for the first time going through, the fact I give this a five speaks very highly to Paul McCartney in that he's writing and compiling music in a way that is too complex for me to fully appreciate it on the first listening. So there's room for growth, and I acknowledge that. So what's your rating on this one? Well, let me preface this by saying that this album was hard for me at first. If I was to rate this based on my first listen, I would probably be a six or a seven, honestly. Mm -hmm. But over the past several years, I've grown to love this and this album and Band on the Run, I just completely mm-hmm. love those albums. So without a doubt, I put this at a nine. Out of 12 songs, you know, the reprise I would hold off and one other song I could do with or without, obviously, that in our rating. But it's a very strong album to me. And it's it's in my top albums, without mm-hmm. a doubt. So a nine for me. Some days, maybe even a little higher, but wow. I'll give it a nine today. You know, and th- that's what I acknowledge is that I could easily see myself coming to, I don't know if I would go to a nine, maybe so, but I could see myself bumping this up a few points with, with more listening and more studying of it. Yeah, there's a lot of albums, though. Sometimes mm-hmm. you don't want to study more albums, but being a, being a Beatles purist and completist as I am. Well, you, know, you also had this beat into you for uh, throughout your childhood from your father. <laughs> uh, actually, I did not. This one, no? Not the Beatles All and right. not Paul McCartney. My father is not a fan of the Beatles and not a fan of Paul McCartney mm-hmm. or John Lennon. So this one, yes, The Who, The Doors, those were certainly beaten to me. But the Beatles you came into on your own. The Beatles I came into on my own. I, mm-hmm. I think my mother always liked them. I stand corrected. Yeah. So anyways, that's Paul McCartney mm-hmm. and Ram. If you agree, if you disagree, certainly let us know. Yeah, this one, I mean, I think this is the broadest uh, span that we've had. Like a four-point difference between my rating and yours. Yeah, pretty big difference. So, yeah, please, uh, we would love to hear what our listeners' ratings are. And uh, any recommendations, please just send them our way. Yeah, classicvinylpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us an email. You can reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter. Please go out and give us a rating a review a like a follow uh share us with your friends whatever you can do helps we appreciate all of it but until next time yeah we love reading your emails we'll see you later thank you so much for listening to classic vinyl podcast and don't forget to subscribe on spotify or apple podcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts follow us on instagram at classic vinyl podcast for updates and also share us with your music loving friends